Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of A Lock Story. My name is Carlin Sykes. I'm getting better at reminding to say that at the beginning of these. Um, thank you so much for joining me on another episode. I'm really fucking excited about this episode. Um, I just listened to it and um, some of you may realize that we're releasing this on a Wednesday. Ha ha ha. <laughs> kind of running behind schedule again, but I feel like it's earned and well deserved. Um, I went to a kind of a pride, lesbian, queer party in Brooklyn on Sunday and just was not on track to have it ready by Monday. But it actually worked out perfectly because I thought about reframing this as kind of like a quote-unquote pride episode. And I say that with quotes because some of you may know this, but identify as queer. Um, my partner identifies as gender fluid and I'll get more into that and actually in this episode and being a little more vulnerable vulnerable about that um but yeah this is you know pride month i work in advertising and it's like a big deal to bring out the rainbows in june but it kind of just like a regular month you realize um i don't know if it's any more freeing with the parties maybe better um and so i decided to dedicate this episode to kind of a pride conversation um just a conversation with someone that i had Early on in the year before I realized I wanted to like time this out. But I chose them specifically because I wanted to talk about gender and locks. Um, the, I've known this person for a while and I reveal that in my in my opening. But I didn't really realize there is this kind of um, intersectionality in this uh, um, world of locks that is really owned and... Um, thrives within the queer community and so kind of just exploring what it means to be trans and how locks can depoliticize what it means to have a hair as a woman um i think locks are among the most gender neutral hairstyles and uh, we really get into that in this episode and it's hit on some some really like deep shit um and i i'm so excited because when i think about the type of messages that we should be sharing in this month um it's less about the parties and again the the rainbows and the the taglines and such. Um, it's more about understanding and as someone who identifies as queer and learning more about the queer community and you know the expanse of people within it. There's so much and so much nuance um, that we just often label people with these big generalized terms and ideas and I think what we explored in this conversation is that you know what we should be celebrating in this month is just the range of identities and spending the time to acknowledge the history um, and the commonalities that we all have um, and uh, it's just really beautiful that locks can be like a vehicle to have that conversation um, so yeah, I mean, I work in advertising and like I said, I, you know, spend months thinking about pride campaigns. Um, but this is what I would want to see if I was really thinking about the type of information and media I want to be put out there during this month. Um, I want something that can warm, warm my soul and touch people and people can feel seen and connected and, um, I just felt like this conversation was just that 12 times over and I'm looking back now and I'm like, wow, we could have talked for probably another hour. So I'm just so appreciative, Shan. They're fucking brilliant. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna let y'all listen and maybe we'll catch up afterwards and let me know what y'all thought. All right.
All right, this is Shan. Enjoy this episode of The Lap Story. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of A Lock Story. Thank you so much for joining me. Again, my name is Carlin Sykes. I forget to introduce myself often, so let me just refresh your memory if you forgot. <laughs> so today we have a very exciting episode because it's someone that I always have like kind of seen their locks from a distance. And you know, there's a lot of people you see on the street with locks, but they're like, damn, on Instagram, like their locks look really good. And you know, going into the second season, I was looking at all these people that I wanted to interview, and you don't realize that there's people one degree away with you from you or from me that have great stories to tell and have nuanced stories to tell and so I'm excited to welcome my Instagram friend <laughs> Shan uh, to a lock story we've never met but we've met through wow, we just haven't. friends this friends and come kind of ingrained each other's lives here in uh, in Brooklyn and New York as well. Uh, so welcome Shan, an organizer, an educator, a coach, a multi-hyphenate, and we'll get into why. <laughs> thank <you>. But <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Me. Yes, thank, thank you, you for coming to the podcast, Shan. So uh, for the people who can't see you, we always like to start off with describing your locks. Tell me, okay. I'm looking at a beautiful kind of mm -hmm. lopsided mm -hmm. pony thing right yes. now. I know it's been your look lately. Tell me about where your locks at right, are at right now. Yeah, so I'm at like a, a, a mid to back length situation mm -hmm. and there's some unevenness happening too. So like mm -hmm. my left side is longer than my right side. So I usually throw it up in a bun just yeah. because it's easy on my neck, easy on um, my shoulders. But I also, when I was younger, really wanted bangs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if this was like a black, like, you know, too, other black kids had that. <laughs> like, dang, it's so hard to get bangs without yeah. it being kind of like the church joint with the mm -hmm. like. Yes. Um, or just like uh, choppy or something. Exactly. Stringy. Yeah. A little wet and wavy. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted bangs. And then I realized once I hit a certain length with my locks that I could kind mm -hmm. of create that with my yeah. bun so oh, wow. you know yeah. for the for the for the listeners um I have kind of like some locks descending onto my forehead you know which you know I do have kind of like a five head so shout out to you know all <laughs> five head folks so you can just give yourself a little bang and then I got a little messy bun yeah like some hang in the back too like you know I love that that's purposeful because I've always noticed you kind of have the bang and like me also I also like will try to create a bang mm -hmm. sometimes with my locks uh, but it is really fun and versatile it can get you yeah. because it's like just like strands like kind of just uh -huh. in V's uh -huh. on your head but I, I see it I see the vision <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. so tell me a little about um, how you started your lock journey I know we talked before and you said it was mm -hmm. like 14 years ago and you're a young yeah. person so yeah. you were a young person starting your locks I love talking to people who started their locks early because I'm like what kind of conviction did you have mm -hmm. to do this so tell us a little about where you were um, in your journey yeah I feel like it was right around this time where I started getting really I don't know into into forums and like being online and being in like these spaces where it was like yo like perming your hair is bad you know mm -hmm. like it was like you know definitely like 2005 2004 where at least for me growing up with perms and getting my hair like hot ironed and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I just didn't know about that narrative. So yes. I, I was introduced to that narrative when I was like 13 um, right. about uh, perms being bad. And so I was talking to my mom and I was just like, yeah, like one, I don't want to do this anymore, you mm -hmm. know, obviously because of the gendered stuff, but I was like, okay, I can also frame this to being about the natural, <laughs> <laughs> the natural thing. So I was able yeah. to like, kind of like, you know, you know, uh, yeah, divest from that whole, 
situation there with right. the, with flowy long um, straight hair mm-hmm. and so my mom actually agreed to lock her hair with me mm-hmm. after I kind of She's gave amazing. her my you yeah, know, like, well, you know, it's burning our edges. It's like, oh my gosh. like I, I really came like in my 13 year old brain. Um, and then my mom locked my hair for me. Well, she, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of folks start off this way. She did like a two strand twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just maintained and like, you know, started uh, locking from the root and then cutting off my twist as they got longer. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like my first iteration of locks. And, you know, I think I told you the first time we chatted that like I, I had a big chop. Yeah, um, my senior year of college, and then mm-hmm. when I graduated, I did like the little like short, you know, fade situation for a minute, and I was like, "This is not me." I think I'm okay. just, I think I'm a long hair person, you know. Like I think that's my personality. Yeah. Um, and so I got my locks back and grew them out, and and here I am. So it's kind of, it kind of was broken up. So I had mm-hmm. like, I want to say maybe eight years of locks, mm-hmm. you know, okay. and then I cut them, and then now I have like five years, whatever that math is. I don't know. Right. So, so you, so you had locks with fade. Then is that true? You, what? You had locks with the fade. Is that true? Oh no! See, okay. I wish I had done that. Okay. I did. I did a clean, smooth chop. Okay, I, little, I got uh, you. Little curls. Yeah. Okay. So you just had to start over because even I was talking to you know Zai, my partner, who has mm-hmm. locks on the top, and they recently were talking about like they have the fade and they want to grow it out. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's gonna be interesting. <laughs> that is gonna be you know an interesting mm-hmm. journey. Um, but then the day it's hair, you know, yeah. you can do whatever you want with it. It'll grow yeah. back. It'll come back. Um, yeah, I, don't I don't believe in the ugly stage at all. Like I hate, I hate that language. Yeah. I, I, I really do think that it's so beautiful to see us be bold enough to mm-hmm. start that lock process at any, any phase or yeah. any, like, you know, even when there's not balance on our head, yeah. doing whatever we want to do. So. Cool. How old, how, so how old were you when you started yours then? I just want to get the age right. Yeah, like 13. It was right. It was like the year before I went to into high school. Yeah. And I love that your mom did it too, because I've also, my mom loves my hair. And she's mm-hmm. always, every time I see her, she's like, your hair is so long. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, you can do this too, mom. Nothing wow. is stopping you. Like, you're not too old. Like, you're not, you have a lot of life to live. And mm-hmm. like, you can also see yourself in this image. So I love that your pitch sold your mom too. I think mm-hmm. you also, mentioned that you guys were being vegetarian or you started kind of going natural as well so like how did that kind of tie into those decisions I I just I think I realized that I could I was potentially a little bit charming and persuasive when I was younger and once I think I owned that (laughs) I was like dang I actually can talk to adults in a way Mm -hmm. that like puts me on their level and we're having like a conversation and like I'm, I'm engaging them to see what the actual pushback is um and and it really worked for my mom it really landed so for the the lock thing I was legitimately just saying things like yo like you have to think about our edges and these chemicals like have Mm -hmm. you looked on the back of the (laughs) what was it uh to be lovely or whatever that dark and lovely dark and lovely and all those terms and she was like dang yeah you know and she she totally understood and the same Mm -hmm. with the vegetarian thing Mm -hmm. Um, I think for her I framed that one because for me it was very much, I, I forgot what documentary I had just seen at the tender age of 13. Like I had that. That was me too. Yo, I'm not going to lie. I watched documentary it? and I quit. It, it was, was probably like the McDonald's, like for that, for me, it chicks, was like. The little chicks. Yeah, so yeah right? yes. When the birds were getting killed. That I watched that in like an AP Lang class and I went home and I was like, I'm never eating meat again, mom. It's like, Thanksgiving. Uh, 
you're yeah. a horrible person and I'm not doing this. I had a similar story. <laughs> yeah. She, she did back out of the veg. She did the vegetarian thing with me for about a year or two okay. and <laughs> back. But yeah. I, think, I, I think for me, it was meaningful because I, I don't know. I, I got, I gained confidence in being able to talk to people mm. and communicate like, you know, my feelings about something and see someone's yeah. shift, see someone's yeah. perspective shift, which is, I think a big, big deal for kids. Yeah. I mean, I think at that, again, tender age, having that influence, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the wherewithal, the self-awareness um, and making those choices, I think. And also like having a parent that allows you to make some of those choices for yourself. Um, and to help too. I, 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 my mom was a hairstylist, okay. you, know? you know, not by, you know, career or, or trade, but she just had this skill right. that she had grown up with. Um, she was the one of nine. Um, one of nine kids, okay, majority wow. girls. So mm-hmm. she just grew up doing hair. She was like one yeah. of the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just had this skill. Like I just luckily had this in-home person mm-hmm. who could maintain my my my, my stuff. Yeah, so I wasn't out here. I really I wasn't out here looking wild with my early baby. Yeah, so, <laughs> she had me fresh, and I think that is a privilege. That was totally that's dope. Crazy. That's dope. I interviewed earlier in the season um, a pair of best friends who started their locks together, um, oh. and like within six months of each other. And I'm like, that's so amazing that you guys were able to support each other, especially yeah. in college. Like starting locks mm-hmm. in college is bold as fuck because, yeah. you know, you still are going through your insecurities and want to be cute and you want to like, you know, pop out and you're yeah. growing your hair out. So I just thought that was so amazing that they did that together. And I mean, even cooler that you and your mom did it. Um, so tell me about those lessons that you might've had along the way mm-hmm. or ones that she's had along the way. Like even how has that relationship been able to, uh, foster each other and support each other because it's not all sunshine and rainbows like you said hair falls out locks are uneven like you yeah, know yeah. things are not always smooth sailing for me it's it's interesting because it was it became a lot of me supporting my mom mm-hmm. you know and wow. her journey like I think I always felt confident in my locks I always felt fresh Dope. people always like you know and I went to a I went from being in a predominantly black uh area right mm-hmm. where there were no white Mm-hmm. people who lived around me let alone who went to school with me right mm-hmm. so that was elementary school middle school then I moved to Florida in right. high school and then I was out of school with like you know 70 60 percent white people mm-hmm. and that also happened to align with when I got my locks and mm-hmm. so I was actually like my self-discovery and like this like powerful feeling was also juxtaposed with like all of these negative yeah <laughs> you know responses and engagements right. around my hair so for me that was the worst part mm-hmm. is just kind of like navigating the hands and like you know other people's projections onto me for yeah. my mom I think she had she done most of her life with um braids you know okay. like she was like a really amazing braider she could braid her hair like two hours flat okay. um, type of stuff <laughs> and when she shifted to the locks there's a certain control you have to let go mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. there's both permanence and impermanence with the, the locks right it's a big decision to to cut them off of course yeah but my mom started experiencing some um like receding okay. of like you know her hairline Got it, yeah. um and just you know just her edges were 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 just kind of like in shambles mm. and I think there was a lot of insecurity yeah for her around that and I think it, you know that would that would have happened regardless of her right. locks or not because right. know, her whole life she'd been braids tight 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 around yeah. her, her, her hairline so um I think there was a moment where I had to just be like your hair is beautiful you mm-hmm. know it you know and I think she 
yeah, she's just like hyper aware of how thin some would be. And I mm-hmm. think it was constantly, constantly. And I actually learned this from watching her. I was like, dang, we really just be putting our hands in our hair mm-hmm. when we don't have shit to do. You know, yeah. when we're anxious or bored. And I noticed that about her and I, you know, it was a lot of me just kind of being like, hey, this is what I'm observing. Yeah. You know, this is just happening. You're, you know, you're over twisting, you're over washing, like my mom mm. washing her constantly. Yeah. Um, it's just a different generation, you know, one yeah. essentially is thinking about how folks are viewing the cleanliness mm-hmm. of their hair. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, yeah, my, my whole family, I don't know if I mentioned this, like most of my family has locks. Okay. You know? Well, yeah, that's so my, dope. My older brother uh, has locks. All of my, uh, most of my nieces and nephews have locks and Love things. Love that. And, um, I think me and my mom are the only folks who are super, I guess, like we, we, we do like a wash, you know, mm. or twist at least once a month, mm. but everyone else in my family is very on some Rastafari. Okay. Love that. You know? So it's yeah. very, it's very natty. And, um, I think my mom just can't lean into that. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately her realm is like over twisting and over maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's like one of the biggest challenges is seeing, I don't know, this person who raised you, who you came to know is just almost infallible and mm. like, you know, just all knowing. Yeah. Seeing them really struggle with like insecurity, Deal with insecurity yeah. in that way. No, that's real. I feel like as the older you get, um, whether through a hair struggle or like, honestly, my parents got divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things, like watching them, both my parents like come out of their shells again. Yeah. They're people. Um, and people. they are people. And I think also like a totally different note. I think I've also, for people who don't have great relationships with their parents or are learning to have adult mm. relationships with their parents, be their friend, like figure totally. out what they like and what they need as a friend sometimes outside yeah. of you being like their daughter or brother, sibling, whatever, the, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. Um, I feel like that has been invaluable and, um, a learning lesson always but that's really yeah. cool that you know I'm trying to think I'm like wow I'm my mom having locks I feel like I couldn't even deal with it actually now <laughs> naturally I'm like I don't even know if I could because my mom is not so she's insecure but she's mm-hmm. very like concerned with her outward appearance mm-hmm. um and I think I am to a degree I you know pulled peeled it back a little bit more mm-hmm. but um she is very put together which I absolutely love about her but I it, she's very sensitive to the fact that if my sister and I say like that hair color, it's a little bright. And she yeah. will be like at the salon the next day, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's really interesting that you got to have the intimate experience um, because there are ways that we care for our parents and exactly. nurture our parents. And get to um, know them throughout our life. Yes, absolutely. It's awesome that you can do that through locks. That's such a, mm-hmm. such a cool thing. Um, I can imagine you guys did retwists and stuff together and we often oh, talk yeah. about, yeah, just the to bonding. Be honest, that comes I feel out of like that. that's, you know, I, and I, I share this, you know, with, with, people often especially like if I'm getting to know someone Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we know how other folks receive love and care Mm -hmm. when they're growing up because it Mm -hmm. does come out (laughs) when you're an adult but like my family what actually wasn't very affectionate you know growing up like we didn't really like um do like a lot of like hugs and kisses Mm -hmm. and like outward displays of affection Mm -hmm. the care was in the actions of course you know making sure you're good, making sure you have dinner, all the things, security. Yeah. (laughs) For dinner, like making sure it's what you want, you know, like those types of things, but like the physical part wasn't there. And so for me, I, even up into my old age, um, and I'm not that old. I would say old. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, <laughs> my old grizzled days, late twenties. Um, you know, being in, you know, being on the ground, like mm-hmm. you know, between my mom's knees, getting my hair retwisted, yeah. is like probably one of the most intimate, um, like close acts that I can yeah. like, easily recall. Yeah, you know? that's dope. Yeah. So, I love that. My mom literally now, like, she's started getting, like, passion twists and, like, the okay. little, the younger oh, styles yeah. and stuff. Um, and she looks great in them. I'm telling you, she looks hot. But she doesn't know how to do it. And also, she doesn't want to go to a salon. So literally, whenever she sees my sister and I, like, she'll literally be like, I'm coming to see you guys. And you're doing my hair. <laughs> so I saw her in D.C. and she was like, help me. I was like, I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation. Gotta put you to work. It's gotta put you to work. <laughs> But it's something that, you know, I think about, like, all the time she washed my hair in the sink yes, and, like, yes, you know, yes, yes. Um, how proud she is of where I am now and all the things, you know, it's, you got to return the favor. So, 100%. no, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I think also what I love to talk to you about is just, again, gender and the intersectionality mm-hmm. of that with your locks. You kind of touched on it briefly about, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to conform to the feminine perspective in terms of hair because it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, and so, you know, being a black person, being a gender fluid person, um, being an organizer and activist, um, wow. I knew I wanted to speak to you as well, just about how um, being a trans person and having locks, mm-hmm. like what are those intersectionalities? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's funny, I was speaking to someone last night um, about locks in the South uh-huh. and um, I went to FAMU, so yeah. like, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> It's a part of the culture. And I was not even really seriously considering locks at the time. Yeah, but yeah. I bring that up because there's so many uh, cultures that locks, you know, kind of expand to yeah. and are owned by. Like, I think of, you know, being a Tallahassee in the hood and like yeah, yeah. grills and locks and like, you know, Kodak Black and like that. And, and you think mm-hmm. of... Um, when I think of like freeform locks, some of the best freeform locks I've seen in the South, and you also think of yeah. Rastafarian culture and Caribbean culture. So there's so many intersectionalities. And then I think um, gender as well is one that I haven't really explored on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and so I would love to get into that with you because I know you teach it and you yeah. live it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because like, it's definitely at the crux of essentially why I made the decisions that I've made. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I want to be perceived by the world. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's fucking hair. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we gendering hair? Mm-hmm. Like, why is hair gendered? But, you know, anyways, we're in a world where everything is gendered because mm-hmm. we can't not put things into a box. Yeah. Um, and so for me, yeah, definitely in, in the upbringing that I had and the references that I had, locks were were definitely something that I could easily, with my young baby brain that was just conceptualizing, yep. um, getting outside of, of, of these things that didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, like locks, like, you know, they are, if not masculine, at least gender neutral. Yes. You know, they, yeah. they are not kind of applied to this, this, this strict, like performance of femininity mm-hmm. in the way that I think when my hair was, you know, not locked, there was a need to primp and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and pamper and do all these other things. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for me, yeah, it, it, it definitely assisted with the mm-hmm. performance for sure. And um, I think it also just gave me a bit more freedom to think about other things. Right. Yeah. Not that like locks aren't like a super, 
you know, like you, you don't have to like maintain them. Like I definitely like do a lot of uh, maintenance and I've never, I've went to a stylist, a salon to get my hair retwisted maybe once in my mm. entire life. You know mm. what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe two times. Yeah. I, I, I do my hair my own, like my yeah. own self. I taught myself. <laughs> I've always done it. My arms yeah. are strong from years <laughs> of, you know, my hands being up. And yes. like, I think for me, like once I was able to uh, disengage from like that element of the performance I was able to mm-hmm. focus on like other things like my heart yeah you know like oh like you know how is my heart mm-hmm. like, how has my heart been impacted by all of these things the world has yeah. put on me you know and yeah. like how, how how is my brain doing you know thinking about like mental health mm-hmm. with you know uh, regards to like performing something that you know wasn't authentic or genuine which you yeah know, was like girlhood for yeah you know, most of my life. So I think when I hit 14 and was able to do locks, it really was a huge, huge shift for me. Mm-hmm. Like I really came into myself. Um, you know, I, it, it's around the time, if not the exact same time I like came out as like queer mm-hmm. in like high school. Um, you know, I, I, I've always, you know, known that like I didn't have like an authentic Maybe not, maybe not authentic isn't the right word, but a genuine connection to girlhood, you mm-hmm. know, like I always felt forced and I feel like the more that I leaned into my true self, the more folks felt threatened and wanted to push me further into that. Right. Um, and so I, I was like, yeah, there's definitely some things happening here mm-hmm. that I don't have time to think about because I'm worried so much on this external shit. Right. Um, so when yeah. I was able to just go more inward um, in high school and I really do think locking my hair like played a pick. Yeah, I think outside of this conversation, I don't really... I haven't really thought deeply about the impact of like, you know, how here. point. Right. Thank you. Lock stories. Story. <laughs> yeah. You know, storytelling is mad powerful. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. But, of um, you know, I, I, I just had so much free time to sit with myself and think about what it meant to be happy and to be my authentic mm-hmm. self. And from then on out, like it, it, it just really, all the puzzle pieces just started falling together. You know, yeah. I think it took me five years from the time when I got my locks to truly, truly be comfortable, like being myself, you know, yeah. and telling people who I am mm-hmm. and, and, and looking in the mirror and definitely not being where I wanted to be, but looking in the mirror and feeling better. Yeah. Like I, I had this image in my head um, and I had lots at this time, but I had this image in my head from when I was like a sophomore in high school. I'm like looking in the mirror of like, you know, my childhood home or whatever. And I just like, you know, when you can just see yourself in the mirror and if it's a memory, it almost is just like, almost like a, a movie, like a TV yeah. show that you're looking mm-hmm. at that's just like a memory I have from then. And I just remember my face just being so unhappy mm-hmm. and just so uncomfortable, you mm-hmm. know? And in that moment, like, you know, five years after high school or whatever, when I was like reminiscing on that in college, I was like, damn, this is so much better. Yeah. You know, this is so much yeah. better. I'm not there yet. Like I definitely mm-hmm. still feel like so much, you know, just dysphoria and like pressure yeah. and like obligation mm-hmm. to, to be what folks want me to be. Yeah. But, like, it's nothing like how I was back then. So just yeah. being able to also track your journey um, is really cool. And it also coincided with like my hair being longer. So in my mind, that moment where I was super, super unhappy, definitely baby locks, you know, my hair was maybe yeah. like my ears. Yeah. Um, and then that beautiful moment I had when I was like a freshman or sophomore in, in, in college, you know, my hair had grown, yeah. and, you know, I was feeling more confident and happy. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a constant thing. And, and it's not to say that if I cut my hair off or if I don't have locks, like I'll have like this. It disappears. Yeah. yeah you know, nothing like yeah. that. I think 
the reality is like I am a summation of what, what you know what I've experienced and what Absolutely. I've gone through and the reality is that my hair has been a big big part of, of who I am and I can't just mm-hmm. erase that you know in Absolutely. the same way that like I can't erase the experiences that I had as a kid you know um being you know a, not only assigned female but you know gendered mm-hmm. as like a woman you know I can't like erase those experiences and I yeah. don't want to yeah you know? but the reality is moving forward like whatever happens, like however I, uh, you know, perform or am perceived, mm-hmm. that's who I am. And that yeah. my life in a very, very real way. So I love my locks. I think they've helped me, helped me, helped me, helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, and being able to have long hair and still feel confident and, and comfortable in myself is a big deal for me. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, everything you said is everything that I needed, wanted to hear, excited to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's all the things that I was thinking and, and makes me really happy. And what I, I think is just universal as well, mm-hmm. beyond it being like, you know, a gender thing. I think totally. very in- intimately for me, you know, having a partner who ident- identifies as trans and is con- transitioning and considering tea and surgery and, you know, experiences dyspor- dys- uh, dysphoria and, you know, body image issues and all those different things. And I, I don't personally experience them, but I mm-hmm. have seen how, locks or those changes or or considering other versions of yourself um and depoliticize depoliticizing you said like your first of all you said depoliticizing your locks but i think it's mm-hmm. depoliticizing your image like your mm-hmm. entire image um and so making those changes and choices mm-hmm. for your hair your body whatever the case may be um are so transformative you know and like it's the secret it's this this, i think the secret to like you know us getting somewhere with gender justice Mm -hmm. especially like trans justice is for everyone to realize that we are all transitioning into something that we are not currently and i think people it's really easy to kind of make trans people like this spectacle Mm -hmm. or like kind of this public thing like the journey has to be public and it has to be trackable and it has Mm -hmm. to be like you know like this weird um kind of like voyeuristic thing Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to do that when we all don't sit with the fact that we're not who we were yesterday we're Mm -hmm. not who we were five days ago yeah I think the you know this the point you're making around it being universal Mm -hmm. really people people really need to internalize (laughs) that because it's like we're not doing anything like super wild (laughs) you know everyone is changing yeah you know everyone is changing on a biological level Mm -hmm. and an emotional level level. all of that all of it and I think um I say it's universal if people need an example like for me having locks and me, you know, moving to New York and having locks and again, having my friends over and having a job and like having a cat and a partner, like those are all things that um, you look at a picture of yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you have that memory and you remember when you were 15, you remember when you were 16, remember when you were 20 or in college and you were unhappy yeah. and you look at a picture of yourself and you're like, God, I look exactly like I, what I always wanted to look like, you know, or like yep. I'm exactly where I always wanted to be. And so um, it's just a matter of like keeping, keeping the dream alive and then doing things for you and having conviction in the things yeah. that are right for you. Um, and I think that locks are just a way for like whether it's like I always wanted to have long hair I always wanted to have Mm -hmm. hair up to here or I always wanted to dye my hair different colors and Mm -hmm. you know whether whatever that is like we're all like I said transitioning to become our true Mm -hmm. selves trying climbing 
trying to become more of what we thought we wanted to be when we were younger. I hope you have not given up whoever's listening, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's a constant journey. And like I said, you look at those pic- back of those pictures, look at those back of those memories and you're like, damn, I've come a, fa- a long way. Like I've come yeah. a really, really long way. Um, and I love, and, and not everything should be trackable, but having, growing your hair out is a dope, exciting way to track the years of progress. I mean, I can, I have so many anniversaries I can time with my locks. I don't know about you, but like, mm-hmm. I'm I think sure. I'm just so, it's been so long. <laughs> yeah. I've just forgotten. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I can, for me personally, like, I'm like, okay, I, when my partner started my locks, I'm like, that's when I moved to move in with them. Like, cause a week after that, they, I moved in and like, you know, for their friend who started their locks, I was like, okay, they started their locks when they got their dog. So their dog was actually turning a year old. So it's really cool to like use it as a tracker sometimes. Um, totally. And so, yeah. And that's what I, I wanted people to understand and to hear and to know that like, um, locks can be so transformative in so many different ways and parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even an always super, super dramatic way, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't so have subtle, to be yeah. like a really, um, cut off and start over again type of thing. Um, it's kind of so. like snow falling, like snow mm-hmm. falling in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's accumulating. And then one day you're just like, huh, look at this beautiful blanket of snow. How yeah. nice. You have to just, but it it requires so much patience. And I think also what we don't give credit to people who are gender fluid or trans or transitioning is that there's so much patience involved in that transition. Um, And so there's so much grace to be given to people who are going through it or surrounding it. Um, And so it's like just letting people evolve and be the butterflies they were supposed to be, you know? And so that's, like I said, universal. That's not a gender issue. (laughs) That's a universal issue. Um, So yeah, so thank you for sharing as well. I also know that uh, you work in, you know, you do, like I said, you live this work and you work in reproductive rights. And so I know you work at Planned Parenthood now, you have a new job and you've been there for a few months. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd love for you to highlight just a little bit about the work you do outside of that. And again, you have your fitness uh kind of side I don't know if it's a side hustle side business side passion or a main passion yeah um I do it I do it because I'd be doing it anyway yeah you know yeah. Of, I think it's one of those things where I'm like if my friends were going to ask me for tips or for suggestions yeah. or to be like just like a, a a motivator or companion in their journey I would be like yeah sure like just yeah. let me know when you're free um when you know when it starts to be a lot when there's like a lot of requests then I have yeah. to like start getting organized and right. then it becomes kind of this more structured thing and that's yeah. kind of where I am right now okay so like doing like you know just workshops and supportive friends so that we're reaching like wider um, audiences uh, which I love and that ties directly back to my work of just being able to like facilitate and educate Mm -hmm. folks Um, and so yeah I mean I think yeah I I love coaching Mm -hmm. I think that like extends outside of the professional just into my personal life where I'm like dang you're going through like a tough time like what's what's up like transitions let's check check in (laughs) like let's do a little two by two yeah to see you know how how I can support you and yeah what what am I doing that feels good and and, and what could I do better I think that's just like such a great strategy to go into with like your friendships um but yeah the goal is to definitely like move to a space where I mean that alignment piece that we're talking about the transition piece the Mm -hmm. alignment the getting to this you know I really really want to be able to like use my time more Mm -hmm. effectively in support Mm -hmm. of people 
Okay. You know, and I think that definitely requires me to make a major shift, which is okay. super scary. Okay. Um, but I would love to like lean more into kind of like wellness and like okay. personal wellness. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. I know that coaching and I was, I know you uh, not um, conned me because I had a great time. <laughs> but I, I really, a scam? <laughs> it was a good scam, though. That was a good scam. Um, I know that you brought me into Ethel's Club and you were doing some workshops there, which mm-hmm. was really fun because I kind of watched it from, you know, the, the rear view. But I think during this time in quarantine, like virtual, like the virtual coaching and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, health space has just blown up. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I know you kind of brought me into the fold and got me into it. And honestly, it's been hard because I'm a, I'm a gym girl. I love gyms. Mm-hmm. I have a gym now and I don't even go that often. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just so much evolving there and so much to be done. And so, um, you know, I'm excited to see how your own business your own ventures evolve yeah. as well. And that's the thing, I, I also like have some tension too mm-hmm. in like even monetizing or mm-hmm. maybe like marketing it in yeah. that way. Cause then I'm like, you know, and this isn't revolutionary at all, but then I'm like, this is no longer fun. Mm-hmm. You know, this is no longer, mm-hmm. this is no longer like, you know, grounded in my vision. It's grounded yeah. in this kind of, you know, um, what is driving, you know, registration, yeah, uh, numbers, you know, yeah. quantitative stuff versus me, you know, operating from like a space of what do I want to do? You know, <laughs> what is it that I want to experience? Because yeah. I don't, you know, I wouldn't want to lose that. And I think that's kind of like the tricky part that I'm at right now. And that I think a lot of folks are at too. Yeah. Oh, um, trust me. Especially with Instagram. <laughs> it's like you could become a you could really become a business owner on Instagram just, just by saying it. <laughs> Literally just by making the page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think there's fun in that. Like I've yeah, had yeah, fun yeah. doing that. Um, but I'm also like, keep my expectations very low. Totally. I, and so I always tell people like, you know, create because it's what you want to do. Like create because it's like, at the end of the day, you are happy doing this and you're not doing this for someone else, you know? Um, Like even with this podcast, for example, it was hard for me to come back. And I'll be honest about that because I'm not a, not a production girl. I told you Mm -hmm. like, I hate editing, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, just approaching it from a place of like, this is feeding me. And if it puts money in my pockets too, even better, but you have to, you have to, you have to, regulate and create boundaries because like i said you have your own main job you have your own mm-hmm. thing that you're doing relationships um, like you know community commitments things like all that. of those things super yeah. valid yeah but it does help when folks you know and i'm imagining you have people reaching out to you just feeling so affirmed by some of the topics and ideas that are coming up um you know on on, on the podcast and I'm, that 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 is also super fueling you know yeah. to know to be able to have like avenues to get that feedback mm-hmm. or hear those stories yeah um definitely keeps you it's in more it, about connection and that's why i tell people like if you want, i have people like oh you want to make a pod i want to start a podcast what do you think i'm like make the podcast but like make it for you don't yeah, make it yeah, because yeah. don't make it because you have this great idea and you want to sell it for a billion dollars like just do it for you and if yeah. the right people you know if you just you have to kind of think about it all the time and like you know plug yourself you know casually and um just let it it's like a seed you just mm-hmm. let it water like your locks you just water yeah. it let it go yeah if it's up to god if god wants to let it flower 
then he'll do it. <laughs> patience. Yeah. Patience. Yeah. It all boils down to patience. Um, awesome. So as we kind of move in, we've talked for like 45 minutes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> as yeah. we kind of uh, move into the last part of this podcast, the last things I like to always um, capture is what has been the proudest moment while having your locks? Mm. I love this question. It's, you know, I spent six years of my life doing youth work. So mm -hmm. um, being, I mean, being the first of, being the first for a lot of things mm -hmm. for like young people that I've yeah. been with. Like, yeah. you know. um, and I think for me, the most fulfilling and proudest moment would have to be folks, you know, young people seeing like an adult mm -hmm. with locks, mm -hmm. like, in not only in like a position of power mm -hmm. but also being like a young person with locks in a position yeah. of power um and i don't you know youth workspaces they can vary but i know in my job um i got to wear whatever i want mm -hmm. so i was really performing like an authentic shan like yeah. i was really 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 me and so i think being able to and I, I don't want to say like a role model, but like be a muse for like right. young people coming up to be like, oh yeah, like there's so many ways of being. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's not my way of being. Like maybe, you know, maybe I'm actually the opposite of Shan. Like I'm right. hyper femme and yeah. like I want a pixie cut. You know? <laughs> yeah. But being able to get to that point from like a um, affirming space mm -hmm. rather than a I have to fit within a box type mm -hmm. of space is yeah. really, really groundbreaking. And I've seen it happen many, many, many a time. And I, you know, actually just, you, know, you shared earlier, I just transitioned into a new job. You know, mm -hmm. when I left my old job that I had been at for six years, um, they created like this booklet, you know, to send me off. Very, very sweet booklet. Yeah. And it had lots of words and um, just musings mm -hmm. and goodbyes from like former students, former colleagues. And like a few of those stories were really around like the physical piece, mm -hmm. right? And not in like a, you know, um, ob objectifying way, but very much in a, this is how you just being yourself and showing yeah. up in like your lockedness and your queerness, you know, and you know, your, your, your um, non-binaryness, all mm -hmm. of that, how it's impacted me. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, I don't think it gets much better than that because I'm like, mm -hmm. that's someone's whole life. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's a, a whole human being like I'm again I'm going to you know like divest from this system that tells me that I have to follow these like you know hit these check boxes off mm -hmm. you know and so it, it you could be you could be cishet for all I care and I, I I feel like there's so much in like queerness and in transness that can really open your life the fuck mm -hmm. up you mm -hmm. know and and and, and really really allow you to be a bit more free. And I think folks who are super like anti, you know, like, oh, like uh, trans people, like they're brand new, like they're trenders. Oh, like, you know, gay people, like, like just be quiet about it. Don't, all those people are just jealous, you know? And I know it sounds <laughs> super petty and basic, but like they really are yeah. really sad and um, jealous that they can't lean into this type of freedom. Yeah, you know? free. Because, I was gonna say be free. That's all yeah, I have to say. And, and, and leaning into that freedom means mm -hmm. that you need to, not that you need to, leaning into that freedom, like logic reasons that like trans and, and queer people, like like we know are living yeah. their best life, you know, yeah. and, 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 and being <laughs> themselves. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I would definitely say being proud of, I don't, I guess pushing the like queer and trans agenda <laughs> with I mean, my locks. Can I say it honestly, because I have a lot of um, people from home like message me who will be like, 
I just want to say you're living your best life. You look so happy. I had a friend say you're living your best lesbian sex in the city life. I literally was like, what? Okay. All right. But I mean, thank you. But I was like, what? Um, I have a lot of people who, who say that to me and I'm Mm -hmm. always like, thank you so much. I wish the same happiness, peace, joy. I wish the same to you. And I, I, you know, we don't always equate it with queerness. Um, but I think I, when I talk about relationships and stuff, queer people and people of color have to do a lot of work internally to like Mm -hmm. present themselves out in the world. Um, and it takes a lot of work to be your true authentic selves. And some people don't do the work to, some people don't do the work or can't do the work or are confined by where they live or confined by their family's beliefs or whatever the case may be. Um, but it's so funny you say that because I have people always like, you look so happy. You look so happy. Yeah. And I'm like, am I doing something different? Am I? Yeah. I mean, because I have same regular problems. I have regular like family problems. I have mm-hmm. financial problems. I have, you know, I have regular ass problems. Um, but I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. You know, like yeah. even with my hair, I'm so glad I made the choice I did because even a year later, I'm like, oh my God, it's not where it's, it's where I want it to be. But I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God, it's exactly what I want it to be. So mm-hmm. um, when you're on your path, and I, I can tell that you're on your path, mm-hmm. um, it shows. 100%. It really shows. And people zero in on that. People yeah. see that they zero in. It's not just the like, oh, you have a great apartment. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're living in a cool city, yeah. you know, like a cool city. Yeah. Oh, like, it's not even really that. It's yeah. like, in spite of all of the oppression, mm-hmm. I know that you experience, mm-hmm. you are somehow smiling. Yeah. And how is that possible? And, you know, they're grappling with that. How is that possible? And it's happening. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. damn, keep doing, you know, yeah. and that's, that is powerful. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it's, I think people do see the hardships. They see mm-hmm. the hardness of it. And that's what kind of makes it feel more novelty. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, it's, it's not easy. So it's like a lot of people live in fear mm-hmm. and they're kind of like led by fear. And yeah. I, I'm led by fear. Like I'm, I, I'm so scared a lot of the times when I'm outside yeah. in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I won't even get into it. But, you know, yeah. I know a lot of people experience that and that stops mm-hmm. them from mm-hmm. being themselves. And so, yeah, they, they see us and they kind of see us being... <laughs> I'm proud, <laughs> you know, just proud of ourselves. Happy. Happy. Uh, I think also just the uniqueness of, and I'm not going to say, you know, go where you feel drawn to, but being mm-hmm. a queer black person in Brooklyn, in New York City, is a very just unique experience that I feel like when I always thought about New York, I never thought about Brooklyn, you know? And oh. then, because I, I just grew up in Michigan, I was just like, I don't know. I didn't know anything about it. I'd never really been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've told people, and I want to ask you this actually as well as we kind of wrap up, mm-hmm. trying to wrap up. Um, but I have really gone inward, you know, I think um, being in this, in this quarantine environment, I've gone inwards toward my people, you yeah. know, people who look like me, people who have the same similar ideas as me. Um, who like the same food as me. Like I feel very much safe in my home in like mm-hmm. Bed-Stuy, Flatbush, Queen, yeah. you know, that kind of area, those type of people. Um, and so it's very safe and I have no problem going out in the rest of the world. I can go to Manhattan any day and hang yeah. with the rest of them. Yeah, no, you be um, out here. <laughs> yes, I see I, you. You be in the boroughs. Listen, I can go and hang with the rest of them, but I really think that 
fostering that safe nurturing space mm -hmm. with my people has makes me so happy and, you know and oh, I, really? i'm very protective uh, of my space um mm -hmm. and i encourage everyone to do the same <laughs> but i had someone ask me the other day um what makes a good ally or how people can be allies mm -hmm. um and so i did not feel comfortable answering the question yeah um because i think there's people who do the work on relationships and you know societal you know breakdowns and understanding all those different things i am not that person i yeah, am not yeah. a sociologist mm -hmm. i am not an educator mm -hmm. I feels like nothing. So I didn't feel uncomfortable answering the question because I felt like my solution to everything that's been going on in the world, we'll sum it up like that, yeah. um, has been going inward. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to pose this question to you, you know, as an organizer, like you said, as a trans person and mm -hmm. intersectional in so many different ways. Um, how can people be allies to us? Yeah, I... For me, um, so I definitely don't really, I can't even think of the last time I even said the word yeah. ally. So I will just start <laughs> off, I will start off right there. Yeah. And say that I don't even believe in that as a, a concept because we are all living under a system that is really mm -hmm. fucking with all of us, you yeah. know? So it's like, yeah. how can you be an ally of something that you literally should be, the you should be involved. Like this is, you are in this. So mm -hmm. for me, I'm like, one, you could be an, an ally in quotes by one, doing away with the ally mentality, allyship. And Thank all you for that. saying that. Cause I was like, I don't even yeah, know what that like, means. What? what you mean? <laughs> because it's, it, it also, and you know, I'll say more, but I think just, first of all, it also sets up this thing where it's like, okay, so now you do some more work yeah, and you tell me you delegate. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Like yeah. you. So yeah, like getting rid of that idea and then really doing some work, like that person doing some work, right. And, and identifying how are they impacted by mm -hmm. this system? Mm -hmm. right um and in doing that we realize that we all should have buy-in in this and that we mm -hmm. all have like shared fates yeah under kind of like you know cis heteropatriarchy that really really again i cannot even it fucks with all of us all of us you know? all of us like i'm telling you as a person of color i've internalized a lot of things that i have to unlearn myself so i think people assume that like we have all the answers sometimes like i'm still no, i have to read the books journey. with y'all i have to read the books with y'all sometimes you know it's, it's a journey <laughs> and, and, yeah. and you know i i think when i first got involved in organizing you know way back in college i was at some conference and someone introduced this concept of, you know, um, being a co-conspirator. And I was like, yo, that, that hits, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, if you're going to be anything, mm -hmm. you need to be a co-conspirator. You need to okay. be someone who's in the room with me, mm -hmm. who is, you know, really thinking critically about mm -hmm. how we're going to undo and dismantle these mm -hmm. things. So a co-conspirator, yeah. you know, just even in like um, connotation, ally, conspirator, like those mm -hmm two things yeah. just like feel very very different and one also feels you know not to make it scary but just more dangerous because it's mm. realistic about the climate you know the world that we're in yeah um and yeah I, I i would say that's it and i think that shift just that shift of realizing what it is about this system that is also impacting you mm -hmm. um and then that being your entry point mm. into the work versus yeah. the entry point being through me and my trauma because yeah. that's not sustainable, yeah. you know? You know, what if I yeah. move? What if I go away? And you just want to stop yeah. being in the movement? So. Yeah, no. 
yeah, that's usually like kind of like the, the route I take with it. And even for me as like a co-conspirator for other movements, Others, yes. that's how I have to approach it. You know, with my current yeah. work right now, I'm working, um, you know, doing access work, disability justice. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely, you know, an area of, of movement work that I and I will be fully, fully honest and transparent about it. I have not integrated into my work, Mm. you know, when I was younger, even up until just like a few years ago, you know, thinking about access um, Mm -hmm. for folks with physical disabilities, um, access for folks with intellectual disabilities. It's just not something that was in, you know, my frame of, of, of of thought and that's not okay. And so really, really digging into this piece around, you know, um, how is that connected to me? That's Mm -hmm. connected to me because if, you know, police are already targeting, you know, black people, you know, and already targeting, um, you know, folks on the margins. There's definitely within this community going to be people who are being doubly impacted, you know, by this, by this, this issue. And um, yeah, making it personal Mm. um, has helped tremendously for me because I'm like, it's not like a, I'm not doing a favor, you know, you're not doing a favor favor by doing yeah. movement work like this is literally it has to be done like yeah. there's no other option and so um yeah I hope that like makes sense or like hits in some way but that blew my mind and I honestly I'm going to use that and take it everywhere with me because yeah I like I said I had a a reaction to it that was very negative and I was being filmed honestly so oh, I was like I don't really have the words because it's just like I don't it's just does not sit right with me I actually ended up using a bachelor like reference like trying to explain <laughs> that, that like so. doing the work doesn't like the work is not movies it's not documentaries mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and you know I'm I, I brought that up and it wasn't like a random question at the end because you said something earlier about like um you know, people just saying that they appreciate you for you being physically there mm-hmm. um, in the room and being mm-hmm. your authentic self um, mm-hmm. because representation matters. <laughs> like it matters. It's not everything, but it matters. It matters so much. And I hate the cliche of it, but like if mm-hmm. you cannot see someone outside of yourself, um, yeah. you can never be it. Um, but I'm so glad that someone said that because when I responded, I was like, really, it's about relationships um and having genuine relationships with diverse people and that part it's really not about you going out and finding a black friend or uh you know asian friend or a palestinian friend or whatever that you can Mm -hmm. latch on to and learn from because it's not their responsibility to educate you i think that has been made very clear yeah but it's not always about (laughs) saying like oh i have nothing for you like Mm -hmm. that's how i kind of felt when i responded i was kind of like i have nothing for you honestly (laughs) (laughs) um but like that idea of like being a co-conspirator and i love this idea of like how are you affected by this because i think we can often even white people can be like oh well i'm not in any of these groups so i don't I don't know what this is. This new concept of whiteness. (laughs) Yeah, okay, you don't have a stake in this. Exactly. (laughs) So I think um, when it's personal, and I I think why I thought, like, if it's personal, it's going to be someone you care about. Like, it's Mm -hmm. it's always, not always you, but Mm -hmm. this idea of, really, I hate to say, like, being a humanitarian, like, Mm -hmm. God forbid you give a fuck about other, you know, problems in the world. Um, And I think even now with what's happening Palestine and Israel and people talking about the fact that like you can't just care about you know the things that directly affect you you need to really have a worldview and have a global view um and so 
I think it takes just, resources. It, it does. Takes, it takes like, and, and resources that are outside of material resources. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, like coins help, mm-hmm. but putting your body on the line helps mm-hmm. even more. Yeah. So I think that's, that's also a hard thing to say to people because that's just not how our society is. We're a right. very individualistic society. So the idea of mass, you know, mass actions mm-hmm. in that way um, or even someone who's like maybe on the fence about how do they get involved, them yeah. going from that space to being like, I need to recognize that like, I am not criminalized in the same way. Mm-hmm. As, this is just one example, right? Yeah. As a black person. So like my body, like I need to be prepared to protect black people. Yeah. You know, I think that that's for, in my brain, I'm like, that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know white people who have moved, you know, from like, you know, when I was in college and met them, like they move in that way because mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. But it is a hard place to get to. It takes a lot of unlearning and it takes a lot of, you know, engaging in like in, 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 in history. And yeah. I also don't think that it, it is academic. You know, mm-hmm. I think that it is purely, like you said, this is just like some human stuff. Yeah, it is. Like observing it the is. world <laughs> and like, yeah, moving, moving, yeah. And following the energy and vibrations. Yeah. And low vibrations is not caring about other people. Yeah, it is. Genuinely. And that's what's like, I'm just like, it's not like a secret, like a secret to yeah. it. <laughs> There's not like a secret way to be a good person. It's just like you know, boils down to humanity. Um, and I, I also think the way you describe, you know, being an ally, I think of, now I think of it as like an ally as a middleman. Like, I don't want white people or, you know, white passing people to think that they're a middleman between mm-hmm. people of color and bad mm-hmm. white people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that ally like makes that assumption that yeah, like totally. you're going to translate to the white people, the bad white people, mm-hmm. translate to the, you know, Trump boys. Um, And really it's about being in the room and having a stake in the game. Um, And again, like relationships, like it's, like I said, it's not about going out and finding a person of color to hang on to and be like, I'm going to study you and maybe I'll learn how to be da da da. Um, And I, I brought it up in my interview. I was like, have you ever gone to a wedding and been like, this person doesn't have any black friends like doesn't have any Asian friends and yeah. I went to a school where I at my friends we called it the diversity crew because it's, it's really lame but like we were every color of the rainbow not on purpose mm-hmm. we look back five years later and we're like what even bonded us together outside of us being high achieving like you know yeah. we were just we just really we were bonded by our personalities you know and so when you look back and you look at people who don't have a single friend that does not look like them that's your problem, you know. Yeah, and it's That's an integrity thing too. Because I bet you, you and your homies, um, the crew, yeah, I bet that the way that you all engaged with each other was the same way that you, like, y'all were the same people in yeah. all like those spaces. You yeah, know what I'm saying. Whereas, like, I think a lot of like white people or you know non-black POC, they act one way around black people, mm-hmm. you know, or in like an activist or space or whatever, yeah. you know, and yeah. then a whole different way with their people. You have to be the same. So that, that yeah, yeah, that like lack of continuity confuses <laughs> the people who definitely are yeah. not, you know, making headway into being yeah. anti-racist and stuff. Right. So. And that's why I go inward. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's, you know, there's work to be done um, on all sides of it. And I stress the fact that like, I'm also unlearning a lot of things and learning a lot of things. Totally, um, always. You know, I tell people like, yes, I'm in a relationship with a, you know, 
trans person and I really did not understand they them pronouns until the summer that I you know met them mm -hmm. and so I'm not afraid to say that and say that I'm learning and learning my own queerness um, mm -hmm. and how to to be an activist for all these different causes because you really can't show up for all of them always mm -hmm. um, but for me this podcast is a space to like to tap in and to hear other people's stories and share them um, and that's what it's about because locks is just what sparks the conversation. You know, that's why I'm just yeah. like, you have locks. Something's yeah. weird or interesting about you. Let's talk about it <laughs> and then let's go deeper. So I appreciate you sitting here for this last hour um, and getting into all the different things. And I just appreciate um, your perspective. Um, and I think people also realize that in their space, there are experts. Um, and so, you don't have to you don't have to have the answers for everything like i said there are people who are resources not always books and wikipedia and i think such you a need to space. lean on them like lean yeah. on those people um i sit in my my eyes like sadie nash calls and i'm like y'all be getting into it there's so many layers so many politics so many words oh, yeah. so many so many dynamics um Oh my gosh, some other day I was like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. So um, I just encourage people like when you don't have the answers to like humble yourself and mm -hmm. not be afraid to, to engage with people genuinely um, who do because yeah. this, the work that has to be done is not just like, oh, we'll just have a protest and post some things mm -hmm. and da 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 da. Um, it's going to take relationship work and unlearning and children growing up with <laughs> better examples that part in the world. So, that part yeah so thank you so much Shan for letting yeah, me talk you. for talking as well um, <laughs> I, I learned a lot <laughs> I learned a lot today I'm yeah just very grateful for you and I'm just so so happy to be in community with yeah. you I'm like dang like I think locks also just really be making it easier to form community because it's mm -hmm. hard making friends as adults. Yeah. And like, I don't have like a pet yet. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, we got a pet. It's easy to make friends as an adult. And so we got, <laughs> we need these other signifiers. And I think locks for me are, I haven't, I haven't met a whack person with locks yet. In Listen, neither have I. And I love people on stopping people on the street. Um, yeah. Maybe by now when this episode drops, I'm making stickers. So I have lock story stickers. So, and that's kind of my way of like, for one, driving people here, mm -hmm. but also just being like, cause I just want to tell people all the time. I'm like, Hey, I love your locks. And then like yeah. run away. Like, I don't, I want to like, be, and we're like, Oh, I have, I love your locks. I have a podcast. Da, 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 da. I want to just be like, hi, I love your locks. Here's yeah. this gift. Like wear it proud. If you check it out, cool. If you don't, but it, cause it just, there's, you never know when you just like, oh, you have locks. And then you find out how they started them or what happened yes, or yes. the whole story. craziness. And I'm just like, tell me the tea. What happened? <laughs> um, so, no, I, I'm really grateful for the space and talking to you. So, uh, yeah, cool. All, All right. right, let's wrap it up. <sighs> okay. Wasn't that everything? Like, I feel like we talked about everything. I mean, just the ending, the conversation about allyship is so important for whoever's listening. I mean, if you're a person of color, I'm sure you can relate. If you're not, I hope you're listening um, because I think what they said just came from such a genuine place and it just shows that there are true leaders in this industry 
I mean, excuse me, not this industry, but then this, in society, in this space, I mean, it is industry to a degree, I mean, um, this is about racial theory, about recognition, about, you know, true, 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 true understanding of intersectionality and um, acknowledging race, gender, you know, socioeconomics, mental health, to validate, you know, a person, you know, and not just choosing one of those things to, to make a person, but, um, yeah, just gave me chills. So thank you for listening. The one other thing is that I did get those stickers made. So honestly, I surprised myself. Um, so we do have an announcement that I'll be making on my Instagram. That's a dot L-O-C dot S-T-O-R-I-E. If you are not following that, please do that ASAP. But yes, I will be making an announcement on my Instagram in the coming weeks. So if you heard it here, you heard it first. So if you heard me today on this episode, doesn't matter when, but if you heard me in the first week of this episode being launched, if you send me a DM, I will send you a sticker. And the stickers are fire. Don't play with me. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, I appreciate all of your support. Um, I appreciate you listening. If you like this episode, I guess you start asking people to, like, subscribe and to like, I think. Um, I'll figure that out later. But, yeah, if you want a sticker, DM me. Uh, appreciate you always. Be blessed. And, I guess, happy pride. I hope that you take this on with you for the rest of the year. That was the biggest message for me. This is not just a one 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 month out of the year situation this is my life you know this is their life and i i hope that resonates with someone today so yeah Alrighty, be blessed y'all